well, I guess over the snowstorm, we weren't able to meet last Sunday. Yeah. Um, and uh, me and Bethany had felt really a stirring in our heart to start laying out some, um, I guess what we're calling, what we're going to call today, core values, kind of like the core values of who we are as a church, yeah. things that we're going after as a, as a body. And um, we really just wanted to spend three, if not maybe by God's grace, four weeks together and just kind of unpacking those values, looking at them scripturally, and then hopefully inspiring this whole community to walk together, um, pursuing those values. And so, you know, if you think about it, everyone um, of us here have a set of values, if, if you're aware of it or not, practices, convictions uh, that we believe are important and worth our energy and effort to cultivate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and rather, if those things are things about health or family or, um, you know, uh, your career, um, we all have things that we're hoping to cultivate, con- cultivate and convictions that we're hopefully um, going to steward. And, um, you know, as pastors, we feel God has given us a set of key values um, that we believe are imperative for our church's health and our church's effectiveness. I mean, as a pastor, those are two very important things um, in my heart for this church. One is that we're a healthy church, Mm -hmm. and uh, two, that we're effective in bringing the gospel to the city. Mm -hmm. Um, And so topping the list for us, uh, for me and Bethany, we talked about this in great detail, especially because we had a week off, and Mm -hmm. so it just gave us that extra week to chat. there's like four servants yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah we could go on forever. We hope we can get through this in like two, two and a half hours. Um, but uh, no, we should, we should be okay. Um, but topping the list of values for us anyways, for uh, me and Bethany, is the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, for me, at the top of the list. Um, now, that may be a new term for some here today. You may be thinking, well, what is that? Uh, and so we're hopefully going to break that down and then um, look at it biblically, like where we see the presence of God kind of, you know, bear its uh, significance in Scripture. And then we're going to um, kind of get into some applications that we can do as a community to help us grow and cultivate the presence of God in our community. Amen? Amen. Uh, so we thought it would be great to just start in Genesis, right? Because, I mean... the we see it immediately right in the book of Genesis, meaning the presence of God. And so I've um, just in the first three chapters observed at least nine times. There's so much more actually from Genesis to Revelation. I mean, Mm. the book is chock full of God revealing himself in a very special and significant way to humans. And, and, and we're just of the mind that if God did it in Genesis, if he did it in the New Testament, if we saw some of it in Revelation, that we're going to see it today because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so this should be an expectation uh, that we have. So nine observations quickly. And, and we're observing how God walked closely with man. Mm. Just in the first two, actually three um, chapters of the book of Genesis. Um, I'm just going to rattle them off, and um, hopefully the scriptures will appear up there so that you can see it for yourself in the text. Um, But first and foremost, uh, man was the only part of creation that bore the likeness of the creator. You think about it, in, in all that God created, you know, in Genesis, humans bore uh, God's likeness. This is right. in Genesis 1.27. Then as we track further into chapter 1, we see that man was given authority over God's creation. Now that is pretty significant. God gives man <laughs> the authority to rule, 
right? Uh, and, and, and kind of establish, you know, the names of creatures and all these things and, and to kind of, um, you know, flourish and uh, uh, create life. Uh, he gives this authority to mankind in Genesis 1, 28 through 29. And then in chapter 2, verse 19, we see that, as I mentioned earlier, that man was responsible for naming every living creature. Still pretty cool in my mind. Um, Man's aloneness was closely observed and quickly resolved in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God sees Adam and his aloneness, and he says it's not good for man to be alone, and he creates for Adam a suitable helper. I, I think that's pretty indicative of God's care and concern for his creation, man. Uh, in uh, Genesis 2.17, man was giving rules to obey. Uh, Genesis 3.8, God walked towards man after they had fallen. Genesis 3.9, God had called out to man. And in Genesis 3.21, God had clothed the nakedness of man um, after they had fallen. Just a quick snapshot of God's special interest and in, in close relationship with Adam and Eve. Now, this all to say that God truly, clearly is a relational God. Amen. I mean, when you think of Jesus' message, primarily propping God up in his sermons, in his parables, as God being a father. That in and of itself should speak to how God wants to relate with us, his people. So let's zoom in on just one of the texts that I referenced uh, briefly in Genesis 3.8. And uh, we're going to get closer now to this concept, I guess, if you would, of this thing that we're calling the presence of the Lord. In Genesis 3.8, it says this, And they, they being Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from what? The presence of the Lord uh, God among the trees in the gardens. Now, the most common Hebrew term for the word presence is panem, which is also translated face, implying a close personal encounter with the Lord. And this is what Adam and Eve are experiencing in that moment after they fell. Excuse me. Now, this is the same presence that... uh, Moses enjoyed when in Exodus 33, 11, it says that he spoke with God face to face as one speaks to a friend. It's the same presence that David said, don't cast me away from your presence in Psalms 51 and take not your, uh, verse 11, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's the same presence that God's promises his people they will dwell in in Psalms 140, 13 where it says, surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name and the upright shall dwell in your presence. It's beautiful because we actually just sang um, the the blessing that Moses spoke over the people and specifically saying, may his face shine upon you. And it's that understanding of may his presence be upon you. May you live a life in the presence of God. That that's ultimately the greatest blessing we can ever know in this life is living a life that is a face-to-face encounter that we're living in the presence of God. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to take a couple of minutes and we're going to just do a little uh, brief history of how God's presence had drawn near to man and how God desires fellowship and he loves this kind of encounter and he's pursued. So we're going to begin actually in Exodus um, 19, which is Ultimately, it's one of the accounts, it's one of the first accounts where we see the presence of God 
drawing near to a corporate body of people, meaning that his presence was coming upon the, the, all of Israel. They had just come out of Egypt. They had escaped the Egypt. They had just seen God's faithfulness, God's mercy, his delivering power. And then he wants to draw near. So we're going to pick up in um, Exodus 19. And it says, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. So this is the account at Sinai. Um, in verse three, and Moses went up to God and the Lord God called to him from the mountain saying, thus <clears throat> you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and I, how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandments, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For, for all of the earth is mine. And this is key here in verse six. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. Just pause for a second. Because we know in the Old Testament that there was priests that went to basically commune and fellowship in God's presence. They were able to relate to God and the people were not. The people were afar off. And so ultimately we see this whole template in the Old Testament of the priests were the ones that could come into God's presence. The priests were the ones that could interact with that holy presence and that the others stood afar off and the priests were the ones that then basically went and spoke on behalf of God. But here we get a window into what God desires saying, I want all of you to be a kingdom of priests that I want all of you to live in that priestly fellowship that I have set apart and I've called you into. So here we find a mass invitation. Here we find, and I, I, I want you to pause and actually, because he, what Daryl was talking about in Genesis, as far as God then pursuing and seeking after, and that his presence was then seeking them out when they were hiding, here we find again, God is saying, I want a fellowship with you. I want a close relationship with you. I don't want a mediator. I don't want you to rely upon the priest. I want with you and I to have face-to-face -face encounter. And you have to see this established here in Exodus because otherwise the entirety of the rest of it, we can then question what is God's intention? What is God's desire? What is God's design? What, what portion is allotted to me? What is my inheritance? Like all of those things. And here you find it. He's saying, I want for you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So this was their invitation that they had received in Exodus chapter 19. And then if you jump down to verse 11, it says, and um, let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all of the people. He's gonna show himself. So we don't have time to get into all of it today. But what I, am, I, I do wanna highlight to us is that this was God's invitation. This was his design. We later find in Exodus 20, verse 19, um, which I'll read for you. And now all the people witnessed the thunderings and the lightning, the flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but do not let God speak with us lest we die. 
So then you find God is inviting them into this face-to-face encounter and relationship, and they're saying, actually, Moses, you draw near. You go draw near and just tell us what he says, because we're afraid that we're going to die. This is where we find man withdrawing, and we find all throughout the Old Testament that there's this um, template that's set up that ultimately Israel stands afar off and they just want a priest to go minister and speak and be before the presence of God while they stand afar off. So this is where we find, um, for those of you that are familiar in Exodus chapter 40, is when the tabernacle is introduced. We find that the Ark of the Covenant was ultimately, it was what was symbolic of God's presence, that that's where it's housed and kept. Um, in Exodus 40, 34 is when we find, I'll, I'll actually, <clears throat> I don't know if I have it up there or not, um, at this point, it was only the priests that had access to the direct presence of God and a select group of priests that would minister before him. But God wanted to be personally present with the people, that this was not his ultimate design or desire. Instead of being a kingdom of priests and those who would experience the presence of God, um, there was only a tribe of priests that experienced the presence of God and they, they became the mediators. And so that's actually what we find. Um, it, the tabernacle was set up almost as it, it housed the presence of God instead of it being amongst the people and that they could all fellowship <clears throat> with him. And then for those of you that are familiar, um, after the tabernacle, the temple was erected, that ultimately, instead of it being a, a tent that was mobile and moving, that it became like a structure, an assembly place, like a, a given place where the presence of God would dwell. In 1 Kings 8.10, um, we find the dedication... <clears throat> Actually, it says in 2 Chronicles 7.1 is actually where the dedication takes place. Now, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the house. So once again, we find it's his presence that's contained in a physical location. Do you guys see this theme that, though between Mount Sinai and even in the, uh, the dedication of the uh, tabernacle and the temple, we find this, this imagery of smoke and of fire and a, of wind, you know, this imagery of the presence of God when it, when it is present. And so then ultimately, for those of you that are familiar, the, the temple, it was prophesied that the temple would be destroyed. Not only would it be destroyed, but it was prophesied that the temple would be rebuilt. And how many of you guys know that the rebuilding of that temple, part of what is being spoken of is not a physical temple that would be rebuilt, but the coming of Jesus who would house the very glory of God and the presence of God that would, uh, God who dwelt among men, who, that, that's who Jesus was. That it went from a physical dwelling to he was the temple where the fullness of God dwelled within his temple. And then we receive the invitation through Jesus. Jesus, it's in um, John chapter 16. Jesus said that it's better that he would go to the Father so that the advocate would come, the Holy Spirit, that then we would have the Holy Spirit as the indwelling Holy Spirit. So the promise is no longer that it would be a temple where God's presence would dwell, but Jesus was the temple in who all the fullness of God dwelt. And that when he went to the Father, it was making provision, making a way for ultimately the fulfillment of Exodus of saying, you shall be a kingdom of priests. He made a way even when they said, we don't want that, we can't have that. He's saying, I am making a way for you to experience my presence. I am making provision 
for you to come into my presence. Do you guys see the heart of God revealed and displayed that this is his heart for you, this is his heart for humanity, and this is the, his heart for the church? Is that we would be those that house the presence of God, that fellowship with the presence of God, that experience the presence of God. And what we see is ultimately in Joel, it was prophesied for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we see the fulfillment of that in Acts. How many of you guys are familiar with Acts chapter two? When the Holy Spirit came, and what does it say? It says a, a mighty rushing wind came into the room and tongues of fire. Once again, we see all the same imagery that we saw at Sinai, at the dedication of the tabernacle, at the dedication of the temple, and then in the fulfillment of Acts of this outpouring, we see the same imagery and each and every one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit the fulfillment of what he desired and he destined and he ordained, we see manifest in the book of Acts as his will. So good. Hey, we are doing great on time and oh. I knew we were gonna cut this, but let's get into the evidences uh, or the evidence oh. of his presence. We were okay. in the Psalms and you, you prepared for that. So just, just roll with it. Okay. Um, I just, well, so before, we're gonna get into some practicals after this segment. We're gonna get into the practicals of um, prioritizing his presence and practicing his presence. But I'm actually just gonna read through some Psalms. I was telling Daryl that I was, I was studying the presence of God. It's unbelievable, just all of the scriptures that speak of the evidence and the fruit of God's presence. It's mind-blowing. But it also builds a case for why it should be a priority in our life, not something that's um, an afterthought, not something that comes secondary to other things, but the presence of God should be supreme. It should be at the forefront of our mind and our appetites and our priorities. I'm just gonna read a couple things to you. Psalms chapter nine, verse three. When my enemies turn back, they shall fall and perish in your presence that it's his presence that causes us to have victory over our enemies. I'm gonna say to you guys this morning, as we read through these passages of scripture, I want it to cause you to self-evaluate. Because if there's places where you don't feel like you have victory over your enemies, get into the presence of God. If there's places where you feel like the enemies of your soul are being victorious and they're hammering and they're defeating you, get into the presence of God. That is where you're gonna find victory over your enemies. And it's not about what you do, what you say, how you pray, the formula. It's just get yourself there in his presence. That's it. And as you're there, let's go. he works on your behalf. So good. He frees your soul. He frees your mind. He brings clarity. He causes confusion to be dispelled. He causes hopelessness to be dispelled. His presence does that. There is no formula, there is nothing in this world that can substitute for the presence of God. No amount of money can be a substitute, no amount of talent, no degree, no relationship. There is no substitute for the presence of God. It is your supreme need. Your supreme need. Your supreme need is not more money. Your supreme need Amen. is not a bigger house. Your Amen. supreme need is not another baby. Amen. Your supreme need is not a spouse. Your supreme need is not another degree. Your supreme need is not a bigger car, a newer car. Your supreme need is not to be recognized or a title or a position or a job. Your supreme need is not to be validated. Your supreme need 
is the presence of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Psalm 1611. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Some of you folk are lacking joy. <laughs> you want to know why? Because you're not in the presence of God. Let's go. Come on. I get it. I understand it. I had postpartum depression. You know, I understand. I, I have close family members that are plagued with, you know, mental disorders and anxiety and depression and all of that. I get it. I, under, I understand it. I'm not minimizing any of those things. I'm not saying that your trauma is not valid. What I'm saying is the presence of God becomes a healing agent in our lives. The presence of God becomes our sustaining agent. Until the time that you are completely set free and whole. And even if you never see that on this side of eternity, he is your source. He is your provider. He is your sustainer. He is your strength in the midst of the storm. Amen. Psalm 17, 2. Let my vindication come from your presence. How many of you guys need to feel vindicated? How many of you guys know that when you're falsely accused, you're wrongly accused, you're misunderstood, you do not have to defend yourself. You can trust that when you hide yourself under the shadow of his wing, he is your vindication. He is your banner. He is your defense. Him and him alone. Some of us, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to stop wasting energy defending yourself. You need to stop wasting energy in arguments and, and debate over who you are or your intentions. Just let him be your defense. Psalms 21.6, for you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad in your presence. Do you know what that means? That means that in the midst of hardship... That means in the midst of turmoil. That means in the midst of disappointment. That doesn't mean that all those things go away. That means in the very, very midst of those things, he will make us exceedingly glad and blessed. And our blessing is his presence. Psalms 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you need to make this your vow. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your commitment, your, your solemn vow before him. And I promise you, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Psalms 31, 19 through 20. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Isn't this amazing? He's speaking about the plots of man. Do you know how many of us in this society between conspiracy theories, but then also like the real injustices of the world, some of those things are all very real. But do you want to know that we can take refuge and that he'll hide us from the plots of man? That even when men have evil intentions towards us, that even when systems have been uh, erected uh, against us, that he is who will deliver us from the plots of man. We can put our hope and our refuge and our confidence in him. 
Psalm 65, 4, blessed is the one you chose, you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. He shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. Most of us live our lives completely dissatisfied. Most of us, if we'll just shut off Netflix long enough, if we'll stop charging our credit card of all the things we want to buy and consume and acquire, if we'll stop all of that, we realize I'm largely dissatisfied. And do you want to know why we're dissatisfied? Because ultimately we'll only be satisfied in his presence. That is the only place that we'll find satisfaction. And so for all of us, it's an invitation of saying, I refuse to try to satisfy myself, but to find satisfaction in the presence of God. Psalm 73, 28, but for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I might tell of your works. Psalm 84, 1 through 2, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Exodus 33, 14, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Some of you don't need more sleep. It's not sleep that you need. That's not where you're going. You need rest for your soul. It's your soul that needs to find rest in God. No amount of sleep is going to cure that for you. It's a rest that is found in his presence because we cease from striving. We cease from all of our anxious ways and we come to a place of rest in him. So good. So very good. You guys want to talk about the presence of God a little more? (laughs) So... You know, all this excitement, I love it. You know, getting pumped about the presence of God, um, getting charged and energized by some of these scriptures. But how do we make this practical, right? I mean, how's the, how does this live out in our everyday life? That's what I want to know. And um, I, I've boiled um, the prioritization of these uh, things, like the, the presence of God, into three uh, different um, categories, if you would, but they were just words, really. Uh, one is desire, one is delight, and another is determine. Uh, everything that we are inspired to do has to start and it can only be sustained by desire. Uh, like, yeah. if you don't, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if I don't desire to do something, guess what? I'm not going to do it, right? right. It's right. not what it, it's not going to happen. And so, uh, you know, going after the presence of God or valuing it as a core of who, the core of who you are starts with desiring the presence Amen. of God. We need to make time and space and room, right, for uh, times of uh, um, you know prayer and worship, and not just like your five minute, you know, like right. bless this day prayer, but really communing and fellowship. There's nothing wrong with the five-minute prayer, but just don't make it your steady diet. Come on. Right? I mean, we have to, like, take some time. We have to put aside the busyness of this life and carve in uh, some time with the Lord, studying His Word, worshiping Jesus. But I, the last uh, week and a half, I've just been popping on my earpods, listening to great, great worship songs for like an hour here, two hours there, and just worshiping the Lord, being in his presence. It's been so refreshing, and it's carried me uh, in these last months through some very hard things. Second is delight. Uh, Similar to desire, delighting ourselves in the presence of God is necessary. Why? Because we'll enjoy it. (laughs) 
right? I mean, you got to enjoy something that you're going to cultivate, steward, and kind of give your life and your attention to. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn how to delight yourself in the presence of the Lord. You'll engage more with the presence of God when it's actually something you delight in doing. And then determine, when it comes to prioritizing the presence of God, we need to determine in our hearts not to do anything apart or without the presence of God going before us, being with us. I mean, we sang it today. In Exodus 33, uh, verse 8, I think Bethany brought this up already, but in Exodus 33, um, I'm sorry, 15 through 16, we read this. And he said to him, God said to Moses, I'm sorry, Moses said to God, if your presence will go with me, if your presence will not go with me, excuse me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? And your people have as well. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? And I'm sorry, I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. So I I read a a little too much. But again, it's it's this whole idea that we don't want to go and do and, you know, even begin to build this church apart from the presence of God. Uh, um, I I don't want the conversations I have. um, I don't want the child that I'm trying to raise be raised outside of the presence of God. Uh, You know, everything must be saturated in God's presence. It really boils down to what Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, where he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And that word nothing literally means nothing, right? And I know, like, in our strength, we, 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 pretty, we are pretty high on ourselves. We think we can do a lot apart from God, but I don't know if we really do it well. I don't know if we do it with the energy, the excitement, the effectiveness that, that really God uh, has for us. And so, man, a lot more gets done uh, when we are uh, prioritizing the presence of our God, the presence of the God, delighting in it, desiring, and determined not to move outside, far from, or Amen. get behind Amen. where God's leading us. And then, for practicing, and I know Bethany's going to speak a little bit more into this uh, in closing. For practicing, how do we practice Amen. in the presence of God? I, again, three words. It's just I've, I've boiled it down to three things that I do uh, as a pastor. I'm available. Amen. Uh, it's 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 back to this making time. Like I have to, uh, you know, be available to to make time in my life for really just spending some time in the presence of God. Amen. And I'm aware. I'm aware of my need Amen. for God. Amen. I, I, I'm, I, you know, as of recent Amen. years have come so close to just realizing Jesus' words in John 15, 5 to be true, that apart from Amen. him, I can do nothing. And so I'm aware of that. And so that deepens my need for his presence in my life. That makes me more aware and conscious of the fact that, God, I need you. And then constant. I need to be constant with both. I need to be mm. consistent with keeping my, my time open, being available, and I need to be consistent and being aware of just how much I need God in his presence in my life. Mm. And it's not just, it, it can never let up. It's, it's, it's like a, a, a light that constantly needs to be on or water that constantly needs to flow. It can't be shut off because the moment you shut it off, you start to get off track. You start to divert and change direction and do things outside of the presence of God that God had never called you to do in the first place. So let's do this in closing. Actually, if you just want to close your eyes, <clears throat> just to take a moment to reflect. And, you know, as we were just talking about practicing, that ultimately, um, oftentimes what we're 
we aren't practicing the presence of God. It's not something that's at the forefront. But for many of us, we're practicing towards other things. We're practicing complaining. We're practicing um, establishing judgments towards others. We're practicing worry. (laughs) We're practicing um, self-doubt and fear. We're practicing figuring out how to provide for ourselves. We're practicing so many different things. But ultimately, this issue of the presence of God being a priority in our lives, it requires that we give it time and attention and that we steward his presence. So I just want you to take a couple minutes just to, and like Daryl was saying, recognizing our need, that if we don't recognize our need for the presence of God, we'll never readjust or reprioritize our lives to seek his presence. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that every place that we have lived lives without your presence, every place that we have been content, even like the Israelites in Exodus, saying, I don't want to draw near. It's either too costly or too painful, or he might ask something of me. And even the the words that they used that if he draws near, we might die. God, we recognize, Lord, that when we draw near to you, that there is in many ways in our life a death to ourselves, a death to a death to our desires, a death to our ambitions, a death even to our flesh. And God, we confess to you, Lord, that there's many ways, Father, that we've chosen our own way and our own wants and our own desires above your presence. So God, we ask, Lord, in your mercy, Lord, even now, God, would you make us aware of our need for you? Would you make us aware of what you've made available? Even as we've seen in scripture, your desire for us to fellowship with you. God, would you make us aware of the places that we have busied ourselves and distracted ourselves, God, in so many other things, Lord instead of making time and space for your presence. And God, we ask, Lord, that we would not just simply hear a message about your desire for us and your desire for relationship, but God, that we would be people that are responsive, that we would respond to you. God, I ask, Lord, specifically for Hilltop Church, Lord, that we would be a people that are not content to stand afar off. but God, that we would begin to question and even ask how much of your presence is available. God, we want as much of you as available to man. God, we wanna walk in the fullness of what you've made provision for. And so God, we ask Lord, that you would deliver us as a people from being content living outside your presence, content with measures and portions of it or coming near momentarily and then hiding ourselves. God, we ask so that we truly would see, Lord, a, a book of Acts outpouring in our generation, Father, a people that desire and yearn for the presence of God. And even as we see in the book of Acts, they prioritized it, that they waited in that place until you came. God, I ask, Lord, even right now over our community, God, would you give us, Lord, a heart to hunger and to seek after the presence of God. 
God, I ask, Lord, would you get put upon us, Lord, even the grace, Lord, to reprioritize our lives and our schedules, our desires, our ambitions. Lord, that we would position ourselves, Lord, even like they did in the upper room and say, Father, I will not move until I've experienced your presence. I will not move until I've encountered your presence. God, I ask, Lord, even for those under the sound of my voice that this week that Bible reading would change, Lord, that it would not just be the scheduled portion of this chapter and I made it through this book of the Bible, but God, that we would sit and reflect and read your word until our heart is moved by your presence, until we've seen more of you in the words of the Bible, until we've had a greater revelation of who you are, until our heart is moved to greater surrender and greater obedience. God, we say, Lord, we wanna be a people that are desperate and desiring your presence. We want to be a people, Lord, that reorientate and prioritize our lives around, Lord, this singular desire and this singular aim. You know, as we bring this thing to a close, I, I can't help but think there may be some still here that are thinking, you know, this is all good and it sounds good and I got a little happy and encouraged, and uh, but I'm still not knowing how to like, you know, work the details of this out in my everyday life. You know, listen, I was uh, actually in prayer before service today with a couple uh, of our, our people here that serve. And um, James 4.8 came to mind, um, which says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I love the sequence of that, right? It doesn't say God will draw near to you first. It says you draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so there's just certain things that we can do. And again, usually for me, those things revolve around prayer. They revolve around worship. Uh, they, they revolve around the study and, 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 and peering into God's word. Listen, if, if you think for a moment that me and Beth, are, uh, we just come here and this is where we get like our weeks fill of worship. Like, you know, this is the only time we're kind of uh, engaging, listening to songs and worshiping Jesus. It's just, it's not like that. You know, if like, like the Saturday before Sunday, we just start preparing the word and get into God's, you know, we've kept it closed the whole week. And we just decided on Saturday to open it up because we needed a word. No, it just doesn't work like that. It, we need a steady diet. You know, some of you who are, you know, used to going to the gym and working out and getting fit, you know what it's all about. You know what it's all about to grind and stay committed I'm right there right now. I'm trying to get my blood pressure down. I'm like on the treadmill almost every day. It's the most annoying thing in the face of the planet. I hate it, but it's, it's necessary. It's needed, you know, for my health and my well-being. So I can see my child, you know, age and marry and have kids of his own. And so, listen, we need to carry those same kind of behaviors, those same kind of focuses into our relationship with the Lord. What does that mean? Man, if you're just spending minimal amount of time given to God's word, man, you need to, you need to up it. You need to get on that treadmill more, you know? You need to stop eating at McDonald's, get the Bible open, get off of Netflix, and get into God's word and simplify it. 
simplify it. Don't make it complex. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be a theologian to understand it. You just open his word and say, Father, speak to me. Worship. Listen, don't make Sunday your only context where you start to engage in worship. You know, like you start to sing and listen to music and just worship Jesus. Do that Monday through Sunday. <laughs> like, like it's get, put us time, some time in your life and, and pop on some good Christian worship music. Get in there day after day and worship the Lord. And, and man, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if, if, if like you're only, the only time you kind of interface with prayer is when, you know, at the end of our sermon, when Bethany or I pray, man, you, you need to, the water tables need to rise a little bit. You need to give yourself a little bit more to just going after the Lord in prayer. And so these are three easy things that you can do as soon as tonight or tomorrow. And you can start to implement, imp- implement in your life a steady diet, a steady focus of praying to God, worshiping God, and studying God's word. So it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated at all. And so, I don't know, I, I just, I feel like James uh, is, 4.8 is a good kind of ending note where we do our part, God is faithful to do his. He's, he's there. He, it, the Revelation said that God continually stands at the door of our hearts and knocks and asks to come in. He's there. But you've got to take that, you know, if somebody knocks at my door and that door is locked, they're not getting in if they're knocking, right? If I'm not going to the door and I'm locking it, I have to go, I have to take action, unlock that door, let them in. And, and, and that's the way I kind of view, you know, our pursuing the presence of God. We don't just do that on Sundays, guys. Listen, some of us are just doing that on a day like today. No, 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 no. It's got to spill over into our Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. Sure, there's grace. You're going to miss some. Sign back up, get back up, get back into the presence of God. You're going to benefit greatly from doing such. So listen. We're not going to do the old traditional altar call today. Um, all, however, we will at the end invite our core team up just to be available to pray. I imagine that there are needs. You don't have to secretly uh, escape. You can just you can just go. I know you're ready. Um, but the <laughs> but the altar is going to be open if anybody has come um, with any need. It, it just it wouldn't be right to just you know leave this moment and not offer prayer. Uh, so um, we're going to close out the service today and the altar is open if you have anything uh, that you need prayer for um, know that you can come and receive that Uh, in closing just remember if you are new as I'm sure there is plenty of new people here as there's always plenty of new people here um, the info center is open if you're like hey I would like to get to know a little bit more about this church and how I can get more involved and just know a little bit more maybe about the community here, this community of faith. I want to just direct your attention to the info center. Um, There's pleasant, uh, lovely people over there that just want to greet, get to know you. And um, there's a pretty cool gift hanging out. Um, But you only get one if you give us your email. (laughs) But seriously, uh, we love you, church. Be blessed. And listen, let's do this again next Sunday, okay? Let's, 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 if, if, we, if we do nothing else, let's prioritize a steady diet of coming to church regularly, okay? No, I'm not, I'm not trying to like pop a joke or be angry pastor. I don't need you to show up. God wants you to show up because you're going to benefit greatly 
from being part of a family like this and just exposing yourself to the teaching of God's word and the fellowship of God's people. Amen. Listen, be blessed and have a great week. Oh, in addition to that, little plug for practicing his presence. Come out, join us Wednesday night at the CBC. we, we, we don't even, we, we don't just have means of which you can or, or want to inspire you to kind of, you know, venture out and pursuing the presence of God on your own. We have things in which we can experience the presence of God together. So Wednesday nights at the CBC, if you need more information, email us at info at hilltopboston.com. Or if you want more information, go over to Info, ta- uh, info Center. <sighs> Love you guys. Be blessed. Have a great Sunday. Stay warm.